Oh, thanks for joining us. I can say happy Tuesday. Why do I think it's Wednesday for some reason? I don't know. Happy Tuesday, anybody, everybody. <laughs> October 3rd. Yes. Sandy Max, Steve Scafidi on WTMJ Now. And uh, he's here every Tuesday, Dan Shaper, great writer from the Recombobulation area. And we'll start, Dan, with um, county politics. The, the budget is out. So let's, let's have a, like an overview of what you think this budget represents, some of the, the, the pitfalls, challenges, good news. What's in it? Yeah, I think this is so, you know, we had uh, a lot of debate over the course of this year about local government. Uh, you know, one of the biggest stories of state politics this year was the shared revenue and local sales tax bill. And so, like, when those decisions get made upstream at state government, it always trickles downstream to uh, to local government to, to see what exactly is going to happen. And I think, you know, for years in covering budgets at Milwaukee County and the city of Milwaukee. Uh, it has been about averting fiscal cliffs and making cuts and doing all these different kinds of things. You know, the first column that I, or one of the first columns that I wrote when I started the recombobulation area about four years ago was about the looming fiscal cliff that, that Milwaukee County faced. Well, now uh, the David Crowley presented his budget uh, last week, uh, and the Journal Sentinel headline, I'll read it for you here, um, it says Milwaukee County Executive David Crowley's budget turns the page from cuts into investments. I think that's terrific news. I think that's news to celebrate. You know, this is we for so long in Milwaukee County, they've talked about what's going to get cut, the parks budget, the transit budget, all these different things. Now more money is going to be going into investing in parks and transit and all the different county services that we have. Uh, and I think that is that's a really exciting thing. Uh, you know, budgets can be boring to talk about sometimes, but we had such a debate about shared revenue, local government, things like that. And now we're in a position where, you know, under David Crowley's leadership, we're starting to turn the dial in the right direction here. I think that's something to celebrate. We had the county exec in, in on the phone the, uh, last week, and we were talking about the relations. I was asking about the relationship between the county board and, and himself. And that's always the challenging part because his... Yeah desires and interests and uh, things he wants to see are not necessarily always aligned what do you what sense do you get that the the team is all on the same page i think there's more alignment between the county executive and the county board than i've seen in you know my time covering local government in 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 milwaukee area i've been doing that since about 2011 and, you know, most of that was Chris Abley's time. There was a lot of times where Chris Abley cr- clashed with the board, whether it was Chairwoman Marina Dimitrievich oh, yeah. or Theo Lipscomb. And, you know, there was some contentious battles over the years with them. But right now, I feel like, you know, the, the, there were a lot of county board members that were on board with Crowley's push at the state government to, to you know, to increase the local sales tax, to sh- change the shared revenue formula. And I th- now think they are aligned in their vision for in making some targeted investments, growing, you know, certain aspects uh, of county government and and starting again to to turn that dial from cuts to investments. I think that's a really important thing. In our, in our, in our conversation with County Executive Crowley, he seemed to be going about this in a thoughtful way, working with the budget and even acknowledging because. I said to him, yes, it is very exciting that property taxes will not increase and that many homeowners will get as much as $100, you know, off their property taxes. But is that realistically sustainable? When will when will somebody have to raise those property taxes again, 50 or or $100? And he admitted, you know, it could come up again in two to three to four years. You're right. But this is these are the progresses we're making. So I at least felt like he was realistic and not just. But wait a minute. <laughs> 
Yeah, this, I think, this is what I'm hanging my head on. Don't ask me those questions. And I think that that's something I've appreciated about Crowley. And he's somebody I, you know, endorsed when he was running for county executive back in 2020 over some of his challengers. And he seemed a lot more uh, results oriented than a lot of politicians. I think so there's so many politicians in this day and age who will just do something for the performance of it and, and kind of adhere to an ideology over over, you know, being pragmatic and wanting to get things done. One of the things I've appreciated about Crowley as county executive, he's more pragmatic about wanting to wanting to get things done. He's you know he put a lot of time in uh, at the Capitol to get this local revenue and other local sales tax and shared revenue deal done. And I think you know you're seeing the results pay off uh, in county government for that right now too. His name has been mentioned by many many re- Republicans that I know as somebody who who was willing to work with them. And, and as you and I both know, and this has been a struggle for decades to to make that relationship work. And I, I do see shared revenue. Uh, Act 12 as a, a promise that could lead to other things, infrastructure for future cooperation or bipartisanship. Any concerns in the in the budget address, any concerns that you see that might be looming out there? Because it can't all be good news. Yeah, I think, you know, Sandy kind of touched on it a little bit there with saying, you know, the the budget might be in a good place now, in a good place for 2024. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be in the same good place by the end of the decade. Right. Uh, so I think it is, you know, it's great news that we have a budget in Milwaukee County that increases investments and lowers property taxes. I think that's pretty great. If you can, if they can sustain that, you know, on a more of a long-term level, uh, I think that's going to really uh, pay dividends. And, and you know, one of the things that I uh, had written about, you know, over the course of the years on on county government. You know, I'll, I'll often be the guy who reads the Wisconsin Policy Forum reports and then right. yells about it on Twitter. Guilty. Yeah, I know. also read them, I and they're, they're very <laughs> worthwhile reading. Um, but I want to pull up a quote. But at from... least you know what you're yelling about because you've read it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, Sandy alluded to the tax issue. And I think that's always on front and center for all the taxpayers and residents. I'm I'm kind of alluding to the massive dollar estimates of what it would cost to replace, renovate, repair some of the park's infrastructure. Yeah, the... and the county's just buildings. There's a lot of capital investments that it's are still huge. there. There's the safety building. There's the courthouse. There's the parks backlog. There's, you know, bus replacements, you know, on down the line. There's a lot of capital uh, expenditures that, that still need to be addressed. You know, things like the domes. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with this Brewers deal and how that might impact county budgets, too. But I'm going to read a quote for you from Rob Henkin from uh, the Wisconsin Policy Forum. Uh, who who dives into these budgets every time. He said, It is a remarkable and almost unfathomable turn of events to see Milwaukee County with a large budget surplus to be able to strategically invest in 2024. I started analyzing county budgets back in 1998, and I can assure you this is the first time that there has been an opportunity for sizable new investment. I think that's something we should celebrate as a community. And I will tell you, I echo that. Respect his opinion. I don't know that anybody knows it better than he does. And they're and they are fantastic in their analysis of budgets, especially Milwaukee and, and Milwaukee County. It's it's as good as it gets. So if you have that kind of praise from the Wisconsin Policy Forum, you're doing things the right way. Right. So, that's so why, kudos to everybody involved. That's why I think we shouldn't just skip by that. And you know, no, Crowley makes Crowley makes the the speech last Thursday, I believe. You know, unveiling the budget. I don't think we should skip right by that. I think that deserves some some positive acknowledgement. We don't always always get to talk about positive things. That's uh, why you're here, buddy. Politics, and, and I think this is a this is a moment to celebrate. All right, we got to take a break. Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area. Quickly, if people want to find your great writing, you can find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer and the Recombobulation area dot news. All right, after the break, some rumblings from the third. 
third congressional district that I, I heard you talk about recently. We'll get to that and more with our guest, Dan Schaefer. You're listening, of course, to Steve and Sandy, WTMJ Now. Sandy and Steve on this Tuesday. Joining us in studio, as he does every Tuesday, Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area. All right, some rumblings. Potential candidate in the third congressional district currently occupied by Derek Van Orden. What are you hearing? Well, WIS Politics reported last night that uh, State Representative Katrina Shankland would be joining the race. Uh, strong I, candidate? Strong candidate. I think uh, one of the strongest candidates who could be running in this race. You know, she has been a state in the state assembly uh, for about a decade. And, you know, one of the things that I do at the recombobulation area for uh, to, you know, cover state government and, and cover these elections in state government, I preview every race on the ballot in the Wisconsin state legislature. Yes, I'm the only guy crazy enough to preview more than 100 races uh, <laughs> in the Your Wisconsin state legislature. Your thoroughness is why you're here, because I've read that <laughs> stuff. It's, it's, it's in-depth and, and great. And we've said over and over and over the local elections are the most important. Yep, they have the most effect on your life. Absolutely. And so, you know, when you look at the there's not that many competitive elections in the state assembly, given the, given the polarization, gerrymandering, all those different things in the state assembly. But Katrina Shanklin, she's Representative Stevens Point, and that has been kind of a swing area in mm-hmm. the state for some time. And, and in the last election cycle in the 2022 midterms, Republicans targeted her seat to flip it. Uh, she was, you know, that that is a part of the state that's been trending a little bit more red. They went in to try to flip it instead of flipping the seat. She not only won, but she won by a 15-point margin. That is a pretty significant thing in a basically a 50-50 part of the state that she is winning by those types of margins. So I think that really speaks to you know, her ability to connect with her community, and I think that is something that could... You know, it could be it could make a real impact on the primary, on the race against Van Norden. I saw that she was uh, hiring uh, the campaign manager who ran Janet Protosiewicz's campaign. Interesting. This could be a very formidable challenge to Derek Van Norden. I would guess that Ben Wickler would probably be involved as well because he's involved in most things Democratic. That's right. Well, you know, it's uh, and I think this is probably going to be the most competitive of any of Wisconsin's eight congressional races. This has been historically the closest. You know, Ron Kine represented that district for a long time. Van Norden flipped it. Uh, and now I think, you know, depending on what the maps are, we don't know exactly how it's going to be. But I think, you know, if you're looking for a candidate with a track record of success in swing areas in, in western and central Wisconsin, Trini Shankland is somebody with that track record. And this and her participation makes it competitive because because before it was Rebecca Cook. And another Cook, there was 25-year-old Aaron Knights. Yeah, that didn't seem like a serious candidacy. I think there was somebody else from uh, from La Crosse County who was running there as well. But I think, you know, uh, I think Rebecca Cook, she ran a very strong campaign and came in second in the primary in 2020. Uh, I think Shanklin probably has a little bit more of a track record uh, and a little bit more. You know, the fact that she's winning 15-point margins mm-hmm. in districts that's when they're impressive. trying to flip yeah. her, that's pretty impressive. What do you yeah. know about her? You know, I know she's been very involved in a lot of water issues in the assembly. You know, she has a very good reputation there. She's been there for about a decade, so she's put some time in, you know, as a legislator. It has that experience. It's not like she's, you know, kind of coming from out of nowhere, one of these candidacies. So, uh, you know, I think uh, I think she could really bring a serious challenge to Van Orden if she makes it through the primary. He is Dan Schaefer, Sandy and Steve on this Tuesday. We'll come back. i got to talk some bucks because you're all over the bucks. You're at the uh, the welcome Party for Dame Lillard. Love on, to talk some bucks. All right. Absolutely. You're excited, excited about it. I can I'm tell. very excited. This is the season. This is another <laughs> chance to get that title. We'll talk to Dan after the break. 
Ah, happy Tuesday, everybody. Sandy and Steve, WTMJ. Now Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area joining us. And you were at the big welcome event on Saturday in the Deer District. Tell us about it. That's right. I'm a huge Bucks fan. I know for, that. For those of your listeners who don't, who aren't familiar with my work, I, I am a huge, huge Bucks fan. And, uh, you know, over the course of the years, writing at the Recombobulation area, I've deviated from the political opinion column on three occasions. One when the Giannis signed the Supermax, the second when the Bucks won the finals, and this last week when Damian Lillard was traded to the Bucks. I am very, very excited Big for this. Big milestones. Exactly. And I was in the Deer District on Saturday um, there to, to welcome Damian Lillard to Milwaukee. It was, it was quite an event. How many people? Like thousands? I think they estimated about 5,000. No kidding. Um, but, you know, it felt like being back in the 2021 playoffs. It felt like being back... You know, in the Deer District, lots of excitement, um, and it was it was just those exact type of playoff energy type of vibes down there. It was really exciting. You know, I hope I hope people don't forget because I was lucky enough to broadcast from some of that stuff and and hosted our coverage of the parade. That was not that long ago, and I think a lot of people want to get back to that. And this trade, not to get too uh, you know sportsy, this is a big deal for this team. Oh, it certainly is. I mean, they have, you know, uh, Damian Lillard was, was there's been bre- breadcrumbs over the years with Damian Lillard and Giannis yeah. Adetokounmpo, you know, kind of in the mutual appreciation society, uh, talking about enjoying each other's work on the court. Now they get to pair up. Now they have, you know, I think that this means that the Bucks have two of the 10 best players in the league on their team. Damian Lillard's going to be, bring star power and energy and just offensive explosion to this team in a way that we've never really seen, uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm, I'm very, very excited. I think those two in particular, are going to complement each other so, so well. So I'm going to ask you one more sportsy one. So Drew Holiday, a tremendous human being besides being a tremendous athlete. That defensive miss now, who steps up? I think it's going to be a step up in maybe perhaps in terms of a different defensive scheme. You know, they're going to have a different coach. Uh, you know, one of the things that Mike Budenholzer would like to do, he'd like to have Giannis maybe not guard the other team's best player so he can be a help defender. Maybe you're going to see him guarding the Kevin Durant's and Jason Tatum's and Jimmy Butler's of the world instead of uh, instead of some some of the other wing defenders. But it's going to be a big loss, Drew Holiday. You know, I know he's he continues to be active uh, in New Orleans where he played before he came to Milwaukee. I hope he and his family will continue to be active in Milwaukee as well. I imagine they will. They're, they've done su- such a great amount of good. Uh, He's as good as city. it gets when it comes to uh, his philanthropic adventures and just a great human being as long as, as, as well as his wife. So um, real quick, um, what do you think? So this team is going to fight it out for the NBA Finals. Has to. I think they're I think they're one of the favorites, you know, obviously with Boston getting yeah. Drew Holiday. They didn't, wait, they wished, didn't wait too long. I kind of wish he would have gone maybe somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the Western <laughs> Conference. Uh, Darn it. But you know, it's just gonna make for an even more fun rivalry. There's been a lot of playoff matches between matchups between the Bucks and the Celtics in the past few years. Good chance they meet again. It'll be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. So thanks for coming in. We'll we'll see you again next Tuesday.